9 o'clock, it's Wine About a Wednesday with Talon Wine. Jim along with Cake today was in for the Buckeye Boy from the Bozart Miller Chevrolet Buick Studios, the most trusted name in automobiles. Got some thoughts about the college football playoffs. Rankings came out last night. Georgia number one, Michigan, Washington, Florida State, all 12-0 teams. Ohio State drops all the way to number six. So you have... Washington, Oregon. Oregon's number five right now with the one loss. They play Friday night for the Pac-12 title. The last Pac-12 title game. Ever. By the way. Yes, ever. And I was reading a piece that Washington State President Kirk Scholes, he said he's willing to work with his peers on the college football playoff governing, playoffs governing board to identify a financial arrangement Suitable for the remaining Pac-12 schools in exchange for a yes vote on proposed changes to the playoff format because they have a vote there. Mm-hmm. And so stay tuned to that, folks. That could be interesting. But you have Oregon and Washington Friday night. What happens if Oregon, which they very well could, pulls off the upset and they beat Washington? So they both... Chaos. Chaos would happen. And so they both have one loss. How do they approach that? What does the college football playoff do, that that committee, what do they do when it comes to making a decision on a Pac-12 representative? I just... I I think that there's, there's some interesting things here. Michigan's going to roll over Iowa. Where's not good. So it's not going to matter. Even I don't think it does. Even if somehow Iowa, with the lowest over under since like 2000 in the uh, Big Ten title game, I think that regardless, Michigan's in. Georgia's got Alabama. And that could be interesting for the SEC title. And, and how, say, let's say Alabama comes up with the victory. Because they could. They could very well do that. Mm-hmm. How do you approach that? How do you approach, what do you do in terms of if they're both one-loss teams? Because they didn't play each other in the regular season. What do you do? And then going back to the Pac-12 title game. Washington beat Oregon by three. Does it now become margin of victory? Say Oregon goes out and blows Washington off the field. Mm-hmm. Say they win it convincingly, and it's way more than a three-point victory. Do they now go, okay, we got to go margin of victory. They both, they both beat each other one time. They both have an equal record. Here you go. Here you go. Or do they do they look at it and go, well, now we still like Ohio State, but I I think Ohio State's done. I'll be honest, I think Ohio State's done. I think you you phrased it perfectly when you said that there wasn't a, uh, a path forward for Ohio State after that Michigan loss. Now, I. I think the the likeliest scenario, I, I think Alabama could win against Georgia. I think that's probably your most, if we're talking likely upsets, I think that's your most likely upset, Alabama over Georgia. 
Close second would be Oregon-Washington. I think the Ducks could very well beat the Huskies. And then you've got, again, you kind of trigger the nightmare scenario for the for the selection committee of who do you leave in and who do you leave out. And that's that's always kind of been the inherent flaw of having the four-team playoff is a lot of people are going to be unhappy. But here's something else, too, to think about. Florida State, without Jordan Travis, I mean, they struggled mm-hmm. with Roadmaker quarterback in that one against Florida. They got Louisville. Louisville's not bad. What if Louisville in the ACC championship game beats Florida State? Could happen. Could very well happen. Yep. And let's say Oregon pulls off the win against Washington. Do you go, oh, sorry, Florida State. You lost your conference championship game. And your starter quarterback. And and Oregon wins the Pac-12 title. They split with Washington. It's Washington's first loss. We get it at your first loss. But you lost your conference championship game. Sorry, Florida State. Nice season. We're, ta- we're taking two Pac-12 teams. I don't think they'll take two Pac-12 teams. I don't either. I don't either. But Wouldn't that a, be something, though? There's a lot of interesting scenarios here. Texas, they beat Oklahoma State. Big 12 title game. They get to 12-1. Somebody stumbles in front of them. It just seems like right here, Alabama, Texas, Oregon all still have kind of a path, a path to get into the playoff. Right. Alabama's is fairly direct. I mean, you beat Georgia. It's their first loss. Do they take two SEC teams? It's not like they haven't done that before. Yeah, I was going to (laughs) say. The only one that seems like they're they're out as Oregon State, or uh, just Ohio State. Seems like they're the only one because Missouri's got two losses. Forget them. Penn State's got two. So it's down to Oregon, Texas, Alabama to wait and see what happens. They've got to take care of their own business. But what happens with some others here in front of them? You also have to wonder, too, if Oregon wins over Washington and then some other things happen to transpire where the Pac-12 or the, the selection committee could take two Pac-12 teams. They could look at it as an opportunity and be like, hey, here's your two Heisman frontrunners, Bo Nix and Michael Penix Jr. Or could, why, why wouldn't you want to feature them in the CFP? Or could you just simply do this? Alabama, say Alabama wins, they beat Georgia. They both have identical records. Alabama's just beaten the number one team in the CFP. That they're in. That it's Georgia, Michigan... Washington probably and Alabama. I could see that happening too. If Georgia <laughs> ends up losing to Alabama and that they go, well, Georgia's, you know, repeat national champions at their first loss. It's not a bad loss. Say they lose by three. Right. Even if it's a bad loss to Alabama. I'm just kind of thinking here. I wonder if maybe <laughs> they, they put Alabama in. It feels like Texas has the most difficult path of of the three because you have you have Oregon that has Washington that's already in mm-hmm. and a win against them then the season series is evened up then you go to you know probably like I said you know margin of victory and and how does that look it seems like Oregon has a a more direct path Alabama has a direct path 
you're taking on the number one team in the CFP poll. A win there, same record as them, and then that that makes it really hard to ignore mm-hmm. Alabama. It's gonna be fun. It's gonna be a fun weekend. Yeah, well, I just feel like with Michigan's in, regardless, and I don't once again, I feel bad beating up on my Iowa Hawkeyes. Hawks Hawks don't have a prayer in this. No, they don't. They'll be the, they'll be the plucky little defensive oriented football team. They'll run the ball a little bit. Oh, dear Lord, don't have Deacon Hill throw the football. Please don't have him throw the football. Um, thank you, Nebraska, for thanks, uh, Brock's brother, Chuba, for tossing that pick late. Thank you for doing that. I, I just, I just think that it's one of those situations where you, you still have some that have a path. I think, I think Michigan's in regardless. I don't see. I think George is probably in, regardless of the outcome. I think it's probably a, a pretty good likelihood that they're going to be in. So, uh, waiting to find out from Brian Roth if he's going to join us yeah, today. Yeah, I, I called him a few times, left him left a voicemail. And... I, uh, I shot him a text, and so we'll see what happens. Maybe uh, maybe he went to a concert last night. and, and... Maybe, Well, he's a huge widespread <laughs> Panic fan. Huge fan of that band. Were they on tour recently in Fort Collins? Uh, typically, <laughs> this is not... They're more of a summer festival jam band kind of vibe. So I, I'm, I'm sure they, they play some fall dates, too, and some winter dates. But anyway, uh, let's get to the text line. Chick-fil-A breakfast team phone lines. One about a Wednesday, by the way. Got a wine from Kurt. Too many Kurt's or Curtis's or Kirk's. The other Kurt. <laughs> not that he's trying to be Kurt. But he's very unhappy with the number of Kurtz and Curtises on the program. Uh, Mike in Scottsdale. To be fair. To be fair. Finger 11's biggest song is Paralyzer. All of a sudden, I'm not feeling good vibes coming out of Boulder. I hope that it's just an overreaction to recruiting decommits. It feels spooky, though. So I will answer that with uh, some posts that have been made. One of the buffs... Uh, Cover guyers of for DNVR. <laughs> cover guyers, writers, podcasts, something like that. I love cover guyers. I like that. We're he's gonna call them cover guyers. Cover, yeah. So he's he has been following some of the other national decommits. So you've got you've got decommits everywhere. Nebraska's losing a big decommit. Um, I think there was one out of Ohio State. You know, there, there's, there's been some big time national programs that have seen some decommits. It's not the end of the world. It's and not great though. It's not. It's not a good look. No, I know, and and I I don't disagree that it's spooky, but the season just ended a week ago. This is a long off season for Colorado. And we saw what Coach Prime did from when he was hired in December of last year to what he was able to do. So that's one month and then spring ball, the spring game, all the transfers, all the portal movements. So that was about a eight-month process. Now he's got all the rest of this year. So he's got the next... He's got another almost full season or full off season to do what he has to. And he doesn't have to do much more 
Last year, he had to redo everything. Whole roster, up and down, clean house, whole new coaching staff. This time around, it's who's going to be the OC? Where are we going to get the linemen? And he's got just as much, if not more, time now to do that. Because if you haven't heard, Sean Lewis, Buffs offensive coordinator, kind of coaching waiting in a lot of people's minds for the day that Prime goes, okay, I'm done and I'm going to the NFL or going to the SEC or whatever, that uh, more and more outlets are now confirming that Sean Lewis will be the next head coach at San Diego State. We forget he was the head coach at Kent State before he and became the Buffs OC. did an incredible job turning that, that program around. And Colorado's offense was fantastic this season during the, the first you know six games of the season. And, and then you had, of course, Pat Shermer take over. That one great. Uh, went from averaging like 35 points a game to 20 points per game. And they lost four straight. I just think I'm not sure what Deion Sanders was thinking when he made that move. So, by the will... way, Brian Roth just texted me. Go ahead and make your comment, and then we need to call Brian Roth. I forgot what I was going to say. <laughs> I'm sorry. So, Brian Roth coming up in just a moment. But, uh, but losing Sean Lewis, and then Tim Brewster, the tight ends coaches, decided to, uh, to, to call it quits as well on the Colorado staff. Dear Lord, let it not be Pat Shermer. Please, don't let it be Pat Shermer. Let it be anybody else. Anybody. But Pat Shermer. Call and place the buffs. In 2024. All right, 914. Jim along with Cake today. Uh, coming up, we're going to talk with uh, uh, one of the all time great high school basketball coaches in, in the state of Colorado, uh, Steve Hill. The uh, gym dedication for him is this Saturday. We'll talk with him coming up in just a few minutes. But right now, it's time to talk CSU Rams football and basketball with Brian Roth. Talking CSU with the voice of the Rams, Brian Roth, on the Jim Davis Show. All right, joining us right now, voice of the CSU Rams, Brian Roth. Brian, uh, catch you in the middle of some holiday shopping this morning, my man? <laughs> no, you did not. I, I don't know. My phone was on silent. And it wasn't on vibrate. And I just looked down and, yeah, sorry about that. Hey, that's my okay. That, I'm that's, still in Hawaii time. What are you going to do? That's okay. You're still on island time. That's all right. It's okay. Catch you some slack there. I I know the, the trip to the, the islands uh, was hopefully going to be much different for for the CSU football team, a hard, you know, field goal late, heartbreaking loss to Hawaii to keep the Rams from being bowl eligible. Yeah, I mean, that's about as disappointing as it gets. And, you know, you're a favorite going into that game. Uh, I get it. Going to Hawaii, it's not the easiest game to play, and weird things happen out there. But fact of the matter is that Colorado State was a better football team than Hawaii. And, and you go out there and you throw out just an abysmal third quarter where CSU couldn't do anything right. And, Kind of goes with the theme of the entire season. Highly inconsistent. Look really good at times and really bad at other times. And the game was just kind of encapsulated the entire season. And, uh, you know, at the end of the day, you lose on another last-second field goal. CSU had four games this year that came down to the final play, where the game was not decided till the final play. And they went one and three in those games. And you do that, uh, you're probably not going to finish with a winning record. And you know, unfortunately, that's the case for CSU. They closed it out at five and seven. As I mentioned, losing on that late field goal to fall twenty-seven twenty-four. 
But but here's a, a bright note, as you mentioned, some some close losses this year, Brian, for the Rams. But a uh, couple guys that are young guys will be back next year to help lead this offense. Braden Fowler, Nicolosi, 317, a couple of touchdowns, did throw a pick in that game. And Justin Marshall had such a, a tremendous finish to the season, 94 yards and a touchdown. There's, there's some good things, uh, some good bones for this house heading into 2024. Well, there is. There's no question about that. We expect Tory Horton to probably declare for the NFL, which I, I think he will. He's going to go play in the senior bowl, so he'll probably be gone. He could come back, though, if he wanted to with another year of eligibility. But you look at the wide receiving room, it's still pretty young. Uh, Gallon Holker, you expect to come back at tight end. You mentioned Justin Marshall. He was terrific again the other night. And, uh, a kid who <laughs> Rams fans probably didn't know anything about three weeks ago, but he ends up running for over 300 yards in his final three games, and really his first three games in the Rams' final three games of the season. And Damian Henderson was a four-star kid that they got a little time on, on uh, Saturday night in Hawaii, another one of those running backs. They have a very highly regarded running back coming out of the state of Alabama named Jalen Dupree, who uh, our coaching staff is super high on. So the running back room is going to be really good coming up next year. You return uh, let's see, three of the five starting offensive linemen. So I think the offense is going to be in pretty good shape. I, I do think Braden Fowler-Nicolosi can be the guy next year and, and really take that next step. Um, certainly he's got a lot of things to work on, just way too many interceptions. He led the nation in interceptions this year with 16. Only one other quarterback had 16 interceptions this year. Uh, I guess I think he played for Georgia Southern. So uh, there were pieces there. The defense is going to return a lot of guys, too. So, you know, I, I, I think when you look at the season as a whole, was there improvement from year one to year two for Jay Norvell and his coaching staff? Yes, there was. I mean, all you have to do is look at the wins. Was it the type of improvement that Ram fans wanted to see from year one to year two? Probably not. A bowl game was, was what I think Ram fans were hoping for. But, you know, you did beat Boise State for the first time ever. You did go 0-3 against your rivals. So there's work to do in the offseason. And next year will be a fascinating year because there are no do-overs. There's no gimmies. There's no... A rope or leeway for this coaching staff and head coach Jay Norvell. Got to get it done next year. And when you say got to get it done, talking seven wins, eight wins, you better beat a rival next year as well. Brian Rothfuss of CSU Rams with us today on the Team Sports Network. Uh, Mountain West Conference released the All Conference Awards and uh, Rams defensive end Muhammad uh, Kamara, the uh, conference's defensive player of the year. What a, what a year that he had. Uh, season he had 13 sacks, 17 tackles for loss. He's the third Ram. Uh, to win the Mountain West Conference Defensive Player of the Year award. Uh, uh, Mo Kamar had a, an incredible season for that Rams defense. He was outstanding all season long, and you knew going into the year that he was going to have to be the guy on that defensive line, and he certainly was, did not disappoint. And I just had a feeling he was going to be poised for a big year, A, because he's really good, but, but B, just talking to him in the fall and just his mindset and attitude because he thought about declaring for the NFL draft last year decided he could use just one more year of a little polishing at CSU. And, and just his mindset and his mentality when talking with him on several occasions in August, he just got the sense that that dude was dialed in. And I'm telling you, he got double teamed every single time, seemingly, that he was coming off the edge in a passing situation. And he still rolls his way to 
13 sacks. He was absolutely phenomenal. That'll be a major hole for the Rams to fill going on into uh, next year. And the rest of the first team selections, uh, Torrey Horton, who had the 186-yard game against Hawaii, had a f- phenomenal season. Dallin Holker and uh, defensive back Jack Howell, all first team selections for CSU. Brian Roth voiced the Rams with us today on the Team Sports Network. And then tonight, the 20th-ranked Colorado State Rams taking on Colorado Moby Arena for Collins. The game is sold out. And it's the first time ever, Brian, that the Rams will be the ranked team in this matchup. The 131st meeting between the two. It's going to be a an electric uh, environment tonight at Moby between uh, two really good basketball teams. Oh, without question. It's going to be a fantastic basketball atmosphere tonight. It's first time Rams have ever been ranked in this, uh, in this long-standing rivalry. And, you know, Colorado have only been ranked in twice in games where these two teams have played. They were ranked 24th back in uh, 2019, and I think the last time they were ranked previous, so that was like 1960. So it's a rare occurrence that either one of these two teams is ranked when the two teams match up head-to-head. But, you know, this CSU is off to a great start. And what they did in Kansas City last week, the Hall of Fame Classic, was impressive. They went out there and beat Boston College in, in the first round and that set up a date with number eight, Creighton. And, I think most of the Ram fans are thinking, okay, you're going up against a Creighton team that, uh, again, made a run last season to the Elite Eight, that returns just about everybody, uh, that has an All-American at point guard, has a seven-footer that's as skilled as any seven-footer in the nation. You you go out there, you play them tough on a neutral court. You know, play them within three, four, five, six points, and you take that. Certainly a win is what you're all hoping for, but then to go out and win by 20-plus points? I mean, I don't know if any Ram fan expected that to happen, but that's exactly what happened. And Colorado State's defense was incredible in that contest. Uh, They just completely shut down one of the highest-flying, most potent offenses in the entire nation. And it was a marquee win. Now, you got to continue it and, and keep it going, and obviously... There's going to be a lot of energy in the building coming up tonight against a, a very good Colorado team that was in the top 25 last week. Yeah, one point number 18 before they suffered their first loss of the season and dropped out of the, the top 25. And and for Colorado State, guy we've talked about a lot, uh, Isaiah Stevens, uh, off to a great start, almost 17.5 points per game. But when you look at uh, CU, Tristan De Silva and K.J. Simpson are, are, are the two Guys, you really have to, to to keep an eye on if you're a, if you're CSU and trying to get a win in this game on uh, tonight over at Moby Arena. Simpson's had a great start. He's averaging 18 points a game for Tad Boyle. Well, he was uh, an absolute killer last year with Colorado State. I mean, both of those guys were. I mean, Simpson went for 27 in the game last year against CSU, knocked down five of eight from downtown, and Simpson. Well, he's a high-volume shooter and likes to shoot the three. He's not a great three-point shooter. I think he's sub-30% in his career at Colorado. But he was making everything against the Rams and doing everything against the Rams last year. And obviously, this is a much different Colorado State team. You know, Isaiah Stevens, I think that was his second game back uh, in a Ram uniform last year after breaking his foot in October of last season. And so Stevens wasn't himself. And, of course, the roster looked a lot different. CSU has added a lot more pieces here this year. and Make no doubt about it, Colorado State remembers what happened to, what happened to them in Boulder last year. Now, is that going to make any difference coming up tonight? I don't know. Maybe. Maybe not. But there's no question that the Ram team that got run out of the event center in Boulder last year that 
really got embarrassed. That, that's certainly going to be on their mind. But then, of course, you look at one of the stalwarts for Colorado State this year is Nee Clifford, who spent the last three years at the University of Colorado. And Clifford's been a great addition for CSU. So plenty of storylines heading into the contest. Tonight. It's going to be a ton of fun. 7 o'clock tip of that one tonight in Fort Collins. Uh, CSU, the 20th-ranked Rams, take on uh, the University of Colorado Buffaloes. Brian Roth with us today on the program. Before we let you go, Brian, a little, uh, oops, try that again. Take two. Pop quiz. A little, little pop quiz question for you today. Uh, our, okay. Our buddy, the Buckeye boy, went to see uh, Exodus last night. Not that that's a weird band name or anything, but we just we got in this conversation about weird band names. The weirdest band name you can think of. Would be what it wouldn't be. It wouldn't be your beloved widespread panic because I think that's a phenomenal name for a band. By the way, it's not weird right. at all. It's a great name. Terrific name. Weirds by String Cheese Incident. That's Colorado Godfather of rock in this state. Big Ed Todd <laughs> the Monsters. Right. I mean, uh, wait, where do you where do you come up with that? The String Cheese Incident. I forgot. There's I, I used to remember the story of that there's some story about where where they came up with that name. And some of those guys are from Telluride. They're from uh, just down the road, down Highway 50. So uh, there's a little bit of a Western right. Slope connection to that right. band. But <laughs> yeah, there's there's some great story about that, but I can't remember what it is of, of why they picked that name. Uh, Connor McGahee uh, over at Altitude, the Avs, he said Fog Hat. He doesn't get Fog Hat. He thinks that's a weird name. Fog okay. okay. Yeah. Uh, yeah, let me, I'm trying to think of some other ones for you here. Um uh, well, you know, how about the Big Woo? Have you heard of the Big Woo? I've heard of the Big Woo, yes. Yeah, yeah, and I, I don't know where the Big big Woo comes from. I'm just trying to think of folks that I know. Humphreys McGee is what I Which is a great to, band, right? which, which they, do you uh, like Humphreys McGee? Because I think they're fun. I think it's a great jam band. I think they're fun. No, they, they, they are a good jam band. You ever heard their, uh, um, their like, mashup thing of Beck's Loser and uh, In the Air Tonight from Phil Collins? Oh, geez. Check no. that out. You will you will like it. You'll appreciate it. Being a a fan of the, the jam band fair, uh, the, the way they mix those two songs together is really cool. It's really good. Right. Yeah. And so there, and there's a bunch of, I mean, My Morning Jacket, right? There's any uh, yeah, there. dates out there. Leftover Salmon, right? I'm like trying to think of other bands. Just, like, just bad names. Just... Yeah, it's terrible, terrible. <laughs> They're names. bad until they become good. I mentioned I mentioned the one that I remember from college. They were like a punk band, and they were called Scraping Feces Off the Wheel. <laughs> That's yeah, a, I don't know how good you can get to make that. Uh, I just don't know. name or a, a name that fits. <laughs> I just don't see them on any of the late night shows. Jimmy Fallon. Ladies and gentlemen, scraping feces off the wheel. I just I don't I don't think that's probably going to happen. Insane clown posse. Yeah. Uh, I am not a fan of theirs, but I know they're big and they have a cult following. Um, yeah, it's, it's but, an interesting group of people that yeah. like insane clown posse. I'll just leave it at that. <laughs> the Juggalos. Right. Yeah, the Juggalos. Thank, yeah, thank you, Cake, for bringing us. You're welcome. Reference from, from a few decades ago. That's what I'm here for. Uh, all right. Well, Brian, have a great call tonight, my friend. Thanks for coming on today. Okay, guys. Appreciate it. All right, take care. You can also catch Brian tonight on the Varsity app, by the way. We will have his counterpart, Mark Johnson, uh, with the call tonight right here on the team pregame at 630. All right, 928. And coming up next, 
Uh, they're going to dedicate the gym at uh, Ridgeway High School this Saturday to uh, one of the all-time great high school coaches in the state, Steve Hill. We'll talk with him next on a Wine About a Wednesday on the Jim Davis Show on the Team Sports Network. Touchdown every morning. Woo! The Jim Davis Show on Colorado's sports leader, the team. Welcome back, 931. Jim along with Cake today. Somebody's going to win a bottle of Talon wine today for your wine, so... Maybe it's Kurt complaining about all all the Kurts. I don't know. Could be. That's up to you, Cake, on on who ends up uh, winning today. All right, uh, 932. And uh, coming up this Saturday at Ridgeway High School, it is the Hill Court dedication for uh, legendary Ridgeway High School basketball coach Steve Hill. And uh, joining us right now on the Chick-fil-A Breakfast Team phone line, we have uh, Steve Hill, his wife uh, Diana, I believe, uh, his daughter Jana, and his son Scott there as well. the Hill family, thanks for coming on this morning. We appreciate it. Well, thank you for having us on. Well, well Steve, first off, congratulations on having the court dedicated to you. Uh, kind of take us through your, your emotions when you found out that they were going to name the court after you at Ridgeway High School where you had so much success as a boys and girls basketball coach. Oh, it's amazing. When did it's you... really... Sorry, go ahead, Steve. Yeah, I say it was really an honor. It's just the topping on the cake. When, Steve, when did you find out that they were going to name the court after you? How did, how did that all happen for you? Well, when my kids got done paying the money up front. <laughs> they, pay, they wrote a little check to somebody at Ridgeway High School. I say, hey, that's but no, I I think I don't think it had anything to do about any any checks that were written to anybody. I think it's about the the legacy that you had there. Uh, you know, over a thousand games coaching and and uh, the forty two years of coaching. Uh, I think I think that had something to do with. It. I don't think any uh, any monetary exchange uh, played a role in this whole thing. <laughs> but I just found out about it. About, I don't know, maybe a week ago, somebody said something, and you know that's the first I heard of it. I, I mean, I think I might be mad if I were you because I knew Scott had reached out to me a while back in regard to this. So I don't, I, it's, I don't know if it's fair for the media guy to know more, know about it before the the honoree gets to know about it. I don't know if that's fair or not. Yeah, well, you've got to know my kids. <laughs> <laughs> They never tell me anything. <laughs> well, that's, that's my kids the same way, Steve. So some things never change. Uh, they, they just never change. We're talking with uh, Ridgeway uh, basketball coach, uh, Steve Hill, retired coach, uh, who was uh, inducted into the Chassa Hall of Fame back in 2000. And uh, Scott, I'm going to bring you in here for a moment. Uh, Scott, uh, I mean, this, this honor for your dad, uh, you're still the, the state's all-time leading rebounder. Uh, your sister, uh, Tracy's in the Chassa Hall of Fame. Uh, uh, what does this mean for you for the, the Hill family basketball legacy to, to have the court named after your dad? Well, I tell you what, it is quite an honor. Thank you again for having us. Um, you know, fruit didn't fall far from the tree. Dad set a great example for all of us. And, uh, you know, we just kind of followed that. And, uh, you know, for him to finally get this honor is, uh, you know, set a such a special occasion. He's touched so many kids' lives, which, you know, us being in such a small community, we're able to, you know, have contact with. And so it kind of created a family. And, uh, 
you know, the impact that the dad had on so many kids and uh, so many people's lives, uh, just, you know, priceless. The, the dedication, by the way, for the court, uh, the Hill Court at Ridgeway High School will be the Saturday, 1245, and, and that'll be before uh, the basketball opener, uh, girls, and var- girls and Boys Varsity taking on Beck, and that opener on Saturday. And I believe that we have Jana there, too, correct? Yes. Jana, I mean, to talk about this a little bit from your perspective of, of what this means for, for your family to, to have the court named after your dad and just being part of this, uh, the, the, the Hill family in terms of, of, of a name that here on the Western Slope, if you know high school basketball, if you followed it any period of time, uh, your family's name is one of the first ones that, that comes out of people's mouths. Well, you know, just to piggyback on what Scott was saying, it's just, um, you know, number one, it's, it's just a great honor. But, you know, my perspective, um, I've spent the last couple weeks just putting together some social media and some um, trying to get team pictures and photos going back to 1964-65 and bringing it all the way up to 2015. And having these um, discussions with, you know, my mom and my dad as we look at these um, players and these, uh, you know, the old team pictures and just, you know, my, my mom and dad remember, you know, everything about, you know, all these, different years and they told me like you know don't forget this don't forget that and uh so um again it's just it's remarkable you know you almost can't you know put a couple words on it to describe the whole thing we're talking with uh steve hill and his family uh of course a legendary coach at, at ridgeway high school for the boys and the girls and we'll uh, we'll talk more about that about the success there in just a moment but we also have uh diane which is uh, steve's wife with us this morning and uh, Mrs. Hill, I think any any successful coach always has a successful partner at home, and and for for forty two years uh, you were you were that successful partner uh, while he was coaching. You were there holding holding down the fort at the Hill House. Yes, yes. They they told me that uh, coaches' wives get into heaven first, and uh, <laughs> it's it's been quite a ride, and I've I've enjoyed it, and. I do it again, and he uh, he was a basketball player at Ridgeway uh, or at Carbondale High School, and I watched him in his own uh, junior and senior years play and win state championships, and I was fortunate enough. We were fortunate enough to come to Ridgeway, and he just carried on from 1964 until his first state team got to go in 78 and uh it was a big deal for this little town and uh stayed in 78 and it just carried on from there and he uh retired the first time in at the end of the 90s and then the kids asked him to come back and then they asked him to come back again and he just finally decided you know what when i'm 75 2016, it's time, and so we happily uh, continue keeping in touch with all the basketball players, and they keep in touch with us, and it's it's just been a it's been a wonderful ride. We're talking with Steve Hill and his family today. They're going to dedicate the Hill uh, Court at Ridgeway High School this Saturday, 12:45, before uh, the, the the Ridgeway basketball teams uh, take on to Beck. Steve, I want to bring it back to you. 42 years you coached the first time around, 
And as uh, as your wife, Diane, referenced, uh, you, you came back to coach two other times, 2003, 2010, and then you coached your last game in 2016. Just uh, kind of take us through the differences of when, I mean, you started in 1964 coaching and you coached all the way till to 2016. Some of the changes in high school basketball that you've seen over the course of time, considering that that very lengthy span that you coached Ridgeway basketball. I think the, probably the biggest thing I noticed is the you know during, back when we started we never had uh, summer camps or AAU or anything like that, and the kids here at Ridgeway we had track and baseball and basketball. And of course, the kids participated in all those. So, you know, they didn't have, they didn't just focus on one game or one sport. And now that we've got the, you know, when we started going to summer camps and playing a lot more games, you know, we'd go to three or four camps during the summer. And that really changed it because. Well, one thing it did, it put the ball in their hands rather than just out messing around, and the, and the skill level really went up. Uh, the players just became a lot better players. And I don't know, it in a small school, of course, some of the biggest memories for me is we, we went on and... Uh, played some big teams and we always had to play out of our class because we couldn't get enough games in the class A so we'd always play 2A or 3A teams in pre-seasons and and then getting to play them in camps uh, really upped our game so I think uh, just just that the players the players just became more skillful we're talking with former Ridgeway head coach uh, Steve Hill today, who coached in 1,325 games, 833 with the Ridgeway boys, 492 with the uh, the girls basketball team at Ridgeway, and is you know 24 trips to the state tournament, 12 for both programs, a couple of boys state championships, a girls state title, six runner up finishes, and and I don't want to talk about the girls part because you got to coach your your daughter uh, Tracy, uh, who went into the. The, the Hall of Fame, the Chassel Hall of Fame, uh, before you did. and um, But uh, the, the fact that you were so instrumental in helping, I think, promote girls' basketball here on, on the Western Slope, that um, you were, you know, when, when the advent of Title IX, uh, we started to see girls' basketball programs uh, grow across the state. And uh, kind of take us through that journey, because you, I mean, you were coaching both the boys and the girls, and... And how you got involved in, in, in bringing the girl the sport of girls basketball really to prominence here on the Western Slope? Well, it started out in I think '76 is when they finally passed that uh, Title IX, and in '75, '74, everybody was talking about it, and I served on several committees and. You know, I thought it was only fair. I mean, our girls can compete just as good as the boys. And uh, when they finally passed it uh, that first year in 76 that they had state tournament, uh, I helped a lady uh, 
who was our PE teacher, Joanne Fidel, uh, was PE teacher. And when we got into the competitive part of it, uh, she didn't like that part. <laughs> she, <laughs> she, she wanted everybody to, you know, get equal playing time. Everybody, you know, just like a PE class. But when we got into it, then, uh, of course, we went to state in 76. And I don't know, we went to state for the next seven years in a row or seven, eight. I don't know. But we went to <laughs> state every year. And, and of course, you know, I think the first year it was two and barbecue. And then from there, uh, uh, it, Oh, we only lost one next game? Yeah. Ah, well, must must be the coaching. But anyway. <laughs> but anyway, and then when it finally got around to Tracy talking about that, my golly. I mean, well, when you can get a girl, to, well, she averaged over 44 points her senior year. And... And I don't know how many records she holds in the state record book, but uh, it was amazing that you, that girls could go on and, and do that. And, of course, then the other thing, you know, Jana got to go on and play in college. Uh, Scott played in college. And then Tracy, of course. And so that's, you know, that's, about where it went it it really improved and it really helped the whole program that we could have girls compete on the same level as the boys absolutely we're talking with chassel hall of fame ridgeway basketball coach uh, steve hill today they'll uh, dedicate the hill court at ridgeway high school this saturday at twelve forty-five, and at one point ninety four to 96 uh, Steve's teams won a, a state record 73 or won a 73 game winning streak during that period of time. You, we got Scott and Jana there, uh, the son and daughter of uh, of Steve Hill that, that played for him. And I guess Scott and Jana will, will go in that order. Uh, what made your dad such a great basketball coach? And how was that relationship for each of you? Because you're playing for your dad. That's not like just playing for a coach. You're you're playing for the guy that you. You know, you see every night at home and, and bugs you about doing your homework and things like that. What was that like to, you know, Scott, start with you. What was that like to have your dad as a coach? And, and what, what, what made him such a, a great basketball coach? You know, I think uh, uh, he pushed us um, probably harder than, uh, I, I know he pushed us harder than, you know, uh, most of the other players. So it wasn't like there was ever a feeling of, um, oh, your son or daughter is getting an advantage. Anybody that uh, watched us play back then kind of knew that. So um, I was on a good diet because I got plenty of butt chewing going on. <laughs> so, but, uh, but no, that, I think that was it. And kind of to allude back to uh, when you were talking about him starting to coach the girls, I was just coming in to, playing ball back then and so a lot of times because of the numbers <clears throat> I played um, with the girls with his girls teams and uh, um, you know I think dad uh, he didn't separate when when he, when he coached it wasn't 
whether he was coaching girls or boys, he was just coaching ball players. And so, you know, and I think he was always really good about pushing all his players to, you know, their potential. If you look throughout the years, there weren't many kids that came out to go and play, you know, major college balls, but it was more the team aspect. And I think even in that, you know, when he'd have that, those win streaks and stuff, um, there were always people commented about, you know, Steve Hill could take a, a, you know, anybody and turn them into a basketball player up here. And so uh, um, I think that's what really pushed me to, to, you know, have the success that I had was that. Uh, and then also, too, just, you know, what, you know, what he did through his high school career and stuff. And, and he made it to where, you know, if you believed and bought in, you know, it could happen. And Jenna, what about you? So, you know, I, again, I would second much of what Scott said, but then I would have to add in, you know, and go back to, you know, one of dad's earlier, earlier comments, he didn't differentiate between, you know, boys basketball and girls basketball. So, you know, again, as a freshman in 1975, I was learning the same plays, the same moves, you know, dad would, you know, taught us girls, uh, you know, put on a full court man press. And, you know, so again, that's, you know, what we were using, you know, to play. And then, you know, the big thing with dad um, was the level of, in, of intensity, you know, just um, all your heart was on the floor and you, you never held back. So dad and I were talking about technical fouls as we were looking at things and we were trying, I don't know if I had more than he did over the years, but, um, <laughs> but anyhow, it was absolutely, uh, you know, you you had that, you know, just the passion for, you know, for the game. Well, folks, I appreciate the time today. And, and Steve, congratulations on, on the core dedication and, and to the, the Hill family as well. Steve, of course, his wife, uh, Diane, Scott, and his daughter, Jan, and, and, and Tracy, unfortunately, couldn't uh, be with the, the family today for our conversation. But uh, once again, it's this Saturday, 1245 Ridgeway High School, before they take on to Beck, the uh, Hill Court dedication. If you uh, live down Highway 50 and uh, want to take in some great high school basketball and uh, pay tribute to uh, one of the all-time great coaching legends and basketball families in the state, uh, please uh, swing by DeBeck High School on Saturday, 1245, for the Hill Court dedication. And, uh, folks, appreciate the time today. Thank you so much. Thank you very much. You'll have to check Take that. care. All right. So, uh, uh, once again, that is 1245 uh, this Saturday at uh, Ridgeway High School. All right, uh, 950. We will take a break, and we'll come back and wrap things up next on the Jim Davis Show on the Team Sports Network. Who do I listen to? The Jim Davis Show on Colorado's sports leader. Whoever suggested that has got to be smoking crack and plenty of it. The Team. Welcome back in. Jim and Cake today. Buckeye back tomorrow. Let's quickly get into this day in sports history. That's the story of the greatest sport moment in all of history. It's time to take a trip back in time. It's this day in sports history. All right, just a couple. 1890, Navy beats Army 24-0 in the first matchup of the uh, in this historic series. 1934, the Detroit Lions play their first traditional Thanksgiving home game and lose to the Bears 19-16 in front of 26,000. The game was on CBS Radio, first national broadcast of an NFL game. Nice. 
Very cool. All right, uh, time to open up the lid and hop in. It's garbage time. We're taking out the trash. It's garbage time on the Jim Davis Show on the team. You have something. Have you been following this Corey Perry, Connor Bedard, Chicago Blackhawks situation? Uh, a little bit, not a lot. So the Blackhawks announced that they were going to terminate Corey Perry's contract and waive him. Never really gave a definitive answer why, except for the usual mumbo jumbo, violated team rules, blah, blah, blah. So the internet swirled with rumors saying that Corey Perry allegedly had a entanglement with. Connor Bedard's mother. Ooh, is this a Zach Taylor? Yeah, Zach <laughs> Wilson. Be. I mean, Zach Wilson. It's Zach Taylor. Zach Wilson thing. Could be, um, but we don't know. The team uh, and their general manager denied that that's what the cause was. Why uh, Corey Perry is no longer on the team, but we still don't know why. And if you leave room for interpretation, the internet is going to go. Haywire. All right. Very quickly, Knicks guard Josh Hart tweeted out over the summer. Have y'all ever tasted significant other's breast milk asking for a friend? Gross. So I do a lot of people going, what? what? Okay. Anyway, the other day, Hart had 19 rebounds against the Knicks in Madison Square Garden. He uh, tweeted out, should have been 20, but a fat-headed point guard was flopping, taking his shot at uh, Jalen Brunson. Well, on Wednesday, Brunson responded with a, at least, it's, I'm not a breast milk lover. Oh, God. And that's our show for today. On that note, I'll back with you tomorrow. Don't forget tonight, Colorado, Colorado State. Mark Johnson with a call from Fort Collins. And uh, pregame will be at 6.30 for that one tonight. Tip off at 7 o'clock for Cake. I'm Jim. Enjoy the rest of your day.